She's known as the Compassionate Coroner. You are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. Janice Amatuzio. Dr. Amatuzio is a recognized authority in forensic medicine, board certified in anatomic, forensic, and clinical pathology. She is the founder of Midwest Forensic Pathology in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and author of the books Forever Ours and Beyond Knowing. Dr. Amatuzio, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you so much for having me. Give us a Forensic Pathology 101. Well, forensic pathology is really speaking for the dead. I am the doctor who takes care of the people who have died. And I do that by trying to explain the circumstances of what happened to them. Most people are very familiar with CSI and Crossing Jordan and all of the shows on TV right now. Really, the only difference between what they do and what I do is, well, in addition to not having the Hummer and all of the good-looking investigators. What it's really about is the fact that I answer the question, what happened? And on TV, usually the forensic pathologist helps catch the bad guy. In other words, figuring out who did it. I think the most important thing about forensic pathology is understanding that we work together. We work closely with law enforcement, but our perspective is not the law enforcement perspective. They look at who did it. We look at what happened. And we also say, who are you? In other words, we have to make a positive identification. So those are really my responsibilities. We examine individuals who've died suddenly, unexpectedly, or in suspicious circumstances. How long have you been a forensic pathologist? I've been a forensic pathologist since I was board certified in 1983. So I had a several years of training before that. I really got my first taste of it in 1979 when I started working at the Hennepin County Medical Examiner's Office as a forensic fellow in their pathology program. What led to your passion for this work? You know, I always loved solving the mysteries, but I have to tell you, it was really my dad. My father was an internist, and he would always say to me, oh, Janice, I know you're going to follow my footsteps into internal medicine, but take a look at pathology. He said, pathology is the basis of medicine. So he arranged to have me take a pathology rotation during medical school. What he didn't count on was the fact that I ran into some marvelous teachers who happened to be forensic pathologists, Dr. Kenny Osterberg, Dr. Cal Bant, Dr. John Coe, and I just fell in love with forensic pathology. I realize now that frequently we don't pick our specialty. Our specialty picks us. What is your goal as a forensic pathologist? My goal is to answer all of the questions for family members so that they can grieve and get back to meaningful living. That is my primary goal. Other physicians or forensic pathologists might say, well, I'm there to make a diagnosis or to figure out the cause of death and the manner of death. I think that it's important that we reshape those thoughts and realize why we're really here. We're really here so that we can give some answers to family members so they can grieve And then they can go back to living their lives the way that their loved one would want them to. It's been said that our death is our most important legal event. And 
when we file a death certificate certifying cause and manner of death to the best of our responsibility and medical judgment, what we're really doing is allowing all of those legal things like insurance, debts, all sorts of monies to change hands. But you know, I have found that families who don't have answers to what really happened, they have come back sometimes even 35 or 40 years later saying, Doctor, I just can't get this out of my mind. It's still bothering me. Those are the cases that we will try to reexamine and to come up with some answers for these families so that they can go back on. I think that's a real basic human need. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Janice Amatuzio, the author of Forever Ours and Beyond Knowing. What led you to write your books Forever Ours and Beyond Knowing? You know, I guess I really wrote the books if you really want to know, to comfort myself, because when I went into forensic pathology instead of internal medicine, I missed talking to families, because pathology really is has a lot to do with working alone, or working in your office, or working in the morgue, and I really missed talking to people. So I did one thing differently. On the non-criminal cases, not the forensic homicides, but on all the other deaths, those that were natural, those that were accidental, where there was no charges pending, I began calling the legal next of kin, the family members, to just let them know what I'd found. You know, it seemed to me that when a doctor finished surgery, she would go out and talk to the family members and said, this is what I found, and let them know what else was pending. And I did it in that spirit, in the spirit of being a good clinician. But i got to tell you, when I started calling to let them know that their hus- her, somebody's husband had died of a heart attack or there had been a brain tumor, i got to tell you, I almost quit because it was so incredibly hard. I was just not prepared for all of the, the waves of grief, the, the, the tears, the, the questions, why, doctor, why did this happen? But I tell you, every time I've been uncomfortable with something, I find that if I press on, that I, I usually get a treasure, and that's what happened here. When I would just listen, and listen compassionately, Occasionally, family members would tell me something extraordinary, something like a dream or a vision or some sort of communication that had really comforted them about their loved one, whether it was a woman saying, I was driving up from Iowa to meet with you, doctor, to go over these autopsy findings, and I was so desperate and I was crying and I just decided that wasn't a good idea at 90 miles an hour. 70. She says, I punch on the radio and what comes on but our song. I said, what do you mean our song? She said, the song that my husband and I fell in love together with. And I said, oh, I know. And she said, I felt like he was right there and I felt like everything was okay. And she said, doctor, that experience, as well as the autopsy results, have given me some comfort. I can live with that. But some of these experiences were much more dramatic. And frankly, when I began to hear them, they would make the hairs go up on the on the sides of my arms. I remember a family member saying to me, telling me about her son. His name was Gregory, and that's used with her permission. He was a young man who had been killed in a car accident. She happened to be the head nurse in the coronary care unit at one of the hospitals I worked at back in 1995. I remember that when we finally connected to speak, because one of my associates had done the autopsy and not called the family, but, you know, it's hard to make new practices, so I understand. But she she told me 
this following story, which was amazing. She said, Doctor, may I tell you something after all of the other questions she asked? She said, this morning I received a call from a woman named Sheila who lives in California. And I thought, okay, where is this going? She said, well, just bear with me now. She said, this woman was my 19-year-old son's babysitter when he was a little boy. She said, I know my son was killed on Friday night, Saturday morning at 2 in the morning, but she tells me that out in California she was awakened at midnight on the night of Greg's death by a vision of him standing by the side of her bed, and he seemed distressed, and she'd done what she'd always done for him. When he was a little boy, she comforted him. And she didn't think any more of it when she woke up, that she thought, what a funny dream. Now, I've got to tell you what I was doing. I usually take notes when I write these, when I talk to families. I stopped writing in the chart. That ooh, I don't know about this. Well, then she said, but doctor, I've got to tell you the rest of the story. She said the following night, Sheila had another dream. Greg was standing by the side of her bed. He was wrapped in a uh, light, a ball of light. It was gentle, and he said to her, Sheila, will you tell my mom and my dad how much I love them? Would you tell them I'm not alone? There's so many people here. Oh, and tell them I'm with Vernie now. And, the, and then this lady said, and what does this mean, doctor? And I thought, it doesn't matter what I think, Mary. It matters what you think. And who is Vernie? Oh, she said, that was my mother. She died two years before Greg was born. I don't know how Sheila would ever have known, much less remembered. She said, Sheila and I have not spoken in over 15 years. So those are the types of experiences that I began to hear. And then I began to realize that these stories began to heal my heart. And I know that what you do for another, you really do for yourself. I just began telling these stories. I found that physicians, healthcare professionals, nurses, EMS personnel also found comfort. So, frankly, after September 11th, when I was so sad like the rest of the country, I decided to put them out there. And so that was my first book, Forever Hours. And I found that the book did exactly what I had hoped. It helped heal some hearts. As Mary Bear had said to me, Janice, she said, that dream, that experience did not stop my grief, but it eased the pain. She said, I know I'll see my son again. So that was why I wrote these. The second book, Beyond Knowing, really just had to do with my interpretation of the, the patterns that I began to see in these stories, patterns that help us live with these experiences, patterns like you know, on some level, we all already know all of this. On some level, we all begin to realize that we're really connected and there's enough to go around. We're beginning to see how scientists are beginning to verify what the mystics have been saying for the ages, things like, you know, as above, so below. I began to see the importance of realizing that on a very deep level, all is well and that we should have no fear. So... That's why I have decided to write the books, because as a byproduct of doing forensic pathology, I realized that it was important to help people heal and also to just repeat these beautiful stories, these synchronicities, these visions, so that people who have had experiences whose hearts are broken can begin to heal as well. Doctor, what feedback have you received from the medical community about your books? That's been very interesting. I think that much of what feedback I got was precluded and colored by my own concern, my concern that I might just be laughed off the forensic planet. But you know, I then realized it wasn't about me, and I should begin to put it out there so that others might hear of these stories. 
And at first, I was overwhelmed because when I gave my first lecture on this subject here at Mercy Hospital in Coon Rapids, the conference room overflowed. There was too many people to fit in the room, and people were lined up in the hall outside. Now, the clinicians are fascinated with this, as well as the nurses and paramedics and EMS, and they found a great deal of comfort. One of them said to me, you know, Janice, it was like taking me out of mastery and into mystery, as Rachel Naomi Remen so elegantly said. But in terms of my forensic colleagues, I think I'm still regarded with some degree of skepticism. But, you know, oftentimes you're not always accepted as readily in your own field. I have a sense that when other forensic pathologists begin to make phone calls, they might find some of these as well. Dr. Amatuzio, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss your books, Forever Hours and Beyond Knowing. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.